I think it is a really hard path and like idea to reconcile when you're in the church. You have these two conflicting identities where the church and religious beliefs are something that are held so close to one's heart. And then also sexuality is a big deal as yeah. well. And it's hard to like balance these two things. So we just want to say like, it's not all black and white. It's not just either you leave the church and go that way, or you stay in the church and you remain celibate your whole life. There's kind of a middle ground where you can find real and lasting happiness, like what we feel like we have. Not to say that we would ever, ever like prescribe this for someone and be like, hey, this is what you need to do. We just want to be advocates to say, hey, this is potentially an option. You see how it feels for you. If it feels good, go for it. If not, that's okay. You don't have to follow our life path. Welcome to another episode of The Cultural Hall. If this is your first time listening to The Cultural Hall, thank you so much. Been around almost 10 years, two episodes every week. One that's ripped from the headlines, whether it's just us telling you about the latest and greatest in the news around the LDS church, or uh, we do an interview. One that uh, we di deep dive on maybe an odd topic or church history, or we go broad and talk about something that everybody is talking about, but have a unique perspective. And sometimes we just talk. Point is, every week, two episodes, one hour long. That is a promise that I give to you every Monday morning, every Friday morning. If you click subscribe wherever you got this episode, you will not miss a single one. We have amazing conversations. And so I know what you're thinking. Our normal pattern is that on Monday, we do news. Well, today it's an interview, but what is this interview? It's from the New York Post. You know, that silly little paper. The headline from the New York Post is, I'm a gay man and happily married to a woman. So here's this week's episode with Skylar and Amanda Sorensen. It's time for another episode of The Cultural Hall. It's episode number 436, where we are going to visit with Skylar and Amanda Sorensen. Uh, but I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by the folks over at Leading Saints. Coming up on the 8th of September, they have their LGBT Saints Virtual Summit. If you haven't heard about this, it's going to be helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to minister to our LGBT brothers and sisters. It's free to attend, and all you have to do is either go to leadingsaints.org forward slash LGBT, or you can text the word LEAD to 474747. You can also text the word LED. It's the same word, L-E-A-D, to 474747 and find out about that. Free to check out uh, and be able to attend to that. Now, Skylar, Amanda, thank you for joining me. Thank you for the invite. We appreciate it. You know, I have to tell you, uh, this is where this came about. I was looking, I get a, a Google news feed that anything that has to do with the church comes into my inbox. And I found the article from the New York Post with the headline that says, I'm a gay man and happily married to a woman. And instantly I went, I will be reading this article. Um, <laughs> and, and only to find out that this uh, this article sort of comes from a tweet that happened several months ago, the genesis of this. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting turn of events. Um, I, t I tweeted something um, back a few months ago, kind of relating um, being in a mixed orientation marriage um, with being at Disneyland versus uh, being at like Six Flags. Um, oh, well, I've got it, Skylar. So I'll okay, read it on, read the, it, on, the, on the 25th of May at 1144 a.m. 
Okay. Uh, you tweeted, being in a mixed orientation marriage is like going to Disneyland and having some people tell you that you'd be better off at Six Flags. Six Flags may have more roller coasters, but it'll never beat the happiest place on earth. And then you did, and I appreciate it, the winky face emoticon okay. at the end. <laughs> I had to add that. Just, just had to. <laughs> so I'm hoping in the discussion that we have, I want to know a little bit more about each of you individually, how you came to be in a mixed orientation marriage, and then I want to talk around. Uh, a lot of people have lots of opinions about your guys' marriage. I want to make I want to make sure that we talk about uh, why you guys decided to be a little bit more public about this, and then we'll kind of get into the future. So that's my hope of of where this discussion goes today. Uh, I want to okay. start with you, Amanda. Tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, your relationship with the church, uh, and then how you met that guy sitting next to you. <laughs> okay. So, um, I am from Orem, Utah. Okay. Um, about two minutes from where we live now. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. So you've really branched out. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I was born and raised in the church, grew up going to church every Sunday. My parents were super active. I decided when the age change happened that I wanted to go on a mission. Oh, cool. So I ended up going on a mission not long after my 19th birthday. Where did you um, serve? I served in Carlsbad, California, Spanish speaking. Cool. So, yeah, it was the best. It was like perfect weather basically all year round. And... Which is a, necess a necessity for Amanda. <laughs> I don't like being uncomfortable. I know most people don't, but we I don't. hate the heat. Sure. Like, so, uh, like Utah's in the summertime. I'm just like, all right, call me when it's September. Yeah. Amen. I totally agree with that. And um, not to go too in depth on my mission, it was a great experience. I loved my companions. I loved the people. Does Carlsbad have a, a temple? They do now, right? They don't. Well, oh. yeah, no. Carlsbad doesn't have one, so we would go down to San Diego. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, and I just grew like a huge love for the Hispanic culture and the food and the people it was just amazing i met so many cool people and had a lot of cool experiences when you got the call um, that it was stateside were you like stateside or were you encouraged by it well the interesting thing so i was like way shocked with my mission call because my brother was on a mission and he had actually gotten his mission call to carlsbad as well what yeah so halfway through his mission the mission split so he was called to carlsbad huh. and then it split and so he went to the Irvine mission okay. so he was still on his mission in Irvine but I was going to Carlsbad and so I met a bunch of people that like he knew and I was really close to this one family that he knew um I think them knowing that I was his sister kind of like opened the doors for a lot of cool things and that's cool uh, yeah no really no mistakes as far as that goes but that's interesting you don't hear that <laughs> yeah. happen very often yeah, no, you really and don't. Then your sister, Katie. Yeah, and then my sister also went to California. She went to the Redlands Mission, which isn't too far from Carlsbad. Wow. So we just like Southern California, I yeah. guess. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, how? Let me ask you. So you come home, and then how do you meet this guy sitting next to you? How do you meet Skylar? And then Skylar will give you your chance to talk <laughs> about kind of where you where you come from. Okay. Um. Okay. So I got home in October of. 2015. Um, and I didn't meet Skylar until October of 2016. 
I had just gotten out of another relationship and I decided that it was time to move out of my parents' home so I could meet new people. Yeah. Um, I was good call. Yeah. I didn't have the chance to meet a lot of people at my parents' house and in my singles ward. It just was the singles ward I was in before a lot of people from high school. I was kind of like, eh, it's time to move on. Yeah. So I moved out. I moved down to the Riviera in Provo and me and my roommates, we were in, so we were assigned an FHE group and a family home um, evening. If people aren't up with the slang. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Family home evening. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, and we were all kind of like not really wanting to go, but my roommate was called as one of the leaders. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, please come. Like, I was like, oh, fine. Okay. I'll go, I guess <laughs> just to support her. And, um, we ended up kind of bonding over that fact because his roommate was also the one in charge. And so and he so- got drug along too. Uh-huh. We're very bitter people. I, mean, <laughs> I don't like socializing very much. So sure. All right. <laughs> so, so, so that's how you guys met. Skylar, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from and what's your upbringing like? Um, fairly similar to Amanda. I grew up in, a, in an active um, LDS family <laughs> in the St. George area down okay. in southern Utah. Um, I have a big family. I'm one of eight. I'm about the middle. Um, and yeah, just I went to high school down there and then served a mission in Eugene, Oregon. Nice. How um, was that? It was really great. I, I loved the area. I loved the people there. Um, I, I mean, when you when you, all your friends are going, you know, national or international, it's a little disappointing initially when you read Eugene Oregon I was sure. a little bit like okay well that's not that exciting but um I grew to really love the area so my my mission was generally a really good experience and so you come home but you're you, I mean you're not living in St. George obviously if you're going to meet uh, your now wife in Utah County what what's that about how did wow. you how did you find yourself to the UC <laughs> yeah so um I applied for BYU um, on my mission and a friend of mine from the mission, I was never companions with him, but we served around each other and we were both interested in film, which is kind of what we bonded over. Um, we kind of worked it out with another friend in the St. George area to live up here together. So we were all together and, uh, initially we were in a different complex and then moved to the Riviera and that's where one of my friends, like she said, was one of the FHE leaders, and that's how we met. It was like all, all of our friends, and eventually we ended up with another of our mission friends there with us. Mm-hmm. And then in Amanda's apartment complex, she had two mission friends. Two mission friends, So yeah. it was kind of a interesting situation, and one of her mission friends married one of my mission friends, so it was kind of fun. Yeah. So you guys are at this uh, family home evening and you're like, are you here because you have to be? And he's like, yeah, are you? And you're like, yeah, I have to. And so then and so then what was it? A, was it a man? Let us uh, commiserate together. Was there then an attraction at that point or just like well, this? This this is a good chum. You'll be obligated to go to these things. And so will I. <laughs> well, know, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say a little bit. Of everything. And one of her mission friends. um, she is a very persistent person and actually initially we were a little bit bothered that they kept kept hanging out they would just invite themselves over to our apartment not me not, not amanda but <laughs> i have to throw that in there my um, roommates yeah. and so we, we we were initially annoyed but eventually 
we, uh, you know, grew a, a relationship with the, with her roommates and my roommates, um, and became this collective collective friend group. And um, I'm so glad that that happened because we met eventually yeah. when Amanda would start coming over. I remember when I first met Skylar, I was like initially attracted to him. I was like, oh, because we kind of like joked, we were like sarcastic a little bit, and I was like, hey, this like this is what I like. I like joking around. I like kind of being sarcastic, and then. But he kind of blew me off the first <laughs> mm-hmm. the first time we were doing some Halloween. We were watching a Halloween movie and I was Halloween like, Town, I'm sure you're oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> I knew it either had to be Halloween Town or Hocus Pocus. <laughs> 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 yes. Um, and I like start tried to start a conversation with him. Like so I had talked to him before and then like we just kind of joked around and then I tried to, a little bit later to talk to him some more. And he kind of just, like, I asked him, uh, I don't even remember, like, have you seen this before? Like, did you grow up watching this? And then he was like, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, okay. well, I'm just going to walk away now. <laughs> but then we ended up becoming, like, a friend group. Mm-hmm. And I still kind of, like, had a crush on him. There was kind of some drama. And it was just, but we ended up together. We ended up, he asked me out on a date, kind of. I don't know. Like what made you? <laughs> I mean, I know, but Well, well, so before we get to that though, I'm wondering at at this point, uh you come home from your mission, you're attending BYU, are you like, "Hey, I'm gay?" or are you like, oh, "I don't know what this is, what these feelings are." Like where is your your sexuality at? Yeah, um so I I had opened up about it to my parents, one of my sisters, a close friend, and um, church leaders before leaving my mission, probably six months before my mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I started opening up about it before my mission. Um, and then after my mission, I kind of remained pretty pretty closed off about it, but definitely recognizing you know that I was gay and that this was a reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still having the always having the desire to marry a woman and have a family and remain in the church. That's just always the vision I had in my head, regardless of, you know, even as I started realizing that I was gay, mm-hmm. um, that never, never changed. It just always, um, always had a little bit of uncertainty, of course, and a little bit of confusion and some anger and all those feelings um, as to why, you know, my desire to remain in the church contradicted what, you know, my, my sexual orientation, I guess. And so there's a, some learning and I'm obviously still learning of how to reconcile that. Um, but that vision of what I wanted has never changed. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. You sort of say three (laughs) things very quickly, right. That are big deals, right. Uh, one that, that you're gay, right. I mean, that's a big deal that defines a lot of your life, but two, uh, also that you don't want to leave the church, right. That's another huge component of your life. And then three, that you want to be able to have a family and assuming by the way that you say that, like a biological family, that you want it to be children and, and a spouse and, and all those things. And that, yeah. that, that is a, that is a lot, <laughs> you know, you, I mean, you, you say, you say it out there and it certainly is like, yeah, and I'm dealing with that, but to know that you're, that you are considering all of those things. I mean, that, that is, a, that is a lot, that is a lot going on. I just, I just wish to point that out just because it can be something that we just sort of say, yeah, I wanted to say in the church, I wanted to have a family and whatever, but there's, there's a lot of weight. There's a lot of weight to all of those things. So then catching us up to where Amanda left us hanging, 
She's like, hey, do you like movies? And you're like, nah. But then you decide to obviously ask her out. So, so, so what was it about that? Um, so I, I'll try and remember as best as I can. I, Amanda has much better memory at remembering events much more clearly than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we would always joke because we were initially kind of annoyed at her roommates. Bring this being up. So um, being so persistent in coming over. Um, when Amanda started coming over, it was almost like a, a breath of fresh air. And I have to say, with those friends that we were annoyed with initially, we're good friends with them now. So sure. I can say all of this and it's fine. <laughs> but um, we, we kind of joked that Amanda was everyone's favorite. Like she was a breath of fresh air. She was just a, a joy to be around. <laughs> and so I, I kind of picked up on that and I just really liked um, talking with her and, and spending time with her. So that just kind of developed into a, a desire to maybe just try, you know, ask her out on a date and see how it works. I it was interesting because I, I wasn't really in a place where I felt ready to to move in that direction, but something kind of pushed me to just try it, just mm-hmm. to see what happened. Um, and obviously, it, it worked out. And I think that's what I needed. I needed Amanda to push me forward, to um, push me in the right direction um, toward marriage and toward dating and. And that, so that personally, that's what I needed mm-hmm. to convince me. That's what I needed is just going right into it. Now, in the article in the post, you f- phrase that a term that I'd never heard before, a demisexual or demisexual, which is essentially that there's an emotional connection before a physical connection is is created. Am I correct in understanding that as you understand it? Yeah, um, that's something that we kind of <laughs> just recently after the tweet went viral we were just kind of doing a little bit of research to see if there was or maybe we just ran across it someone said it to you to me and i was like oh what does this mean so i looked it up and then i was like hey wait a minute this like seems like and i like showed it to him and i was like this seems like how you feel so kind of kind of fit um it's yeah basically that you i've always had a connection with amanda um as a person, of mm-hmm. course, um, but as in our marriage, as our emotional connection has deepened, um, so has my attraction to her. Um, and it's different than, it's like different than how I feel about guys, but still real and genuine and good, if that makes sense. If yeah. I think the word, but that would probably be the best, the best. word in the vernacular that we, that we have yeah. available to us. <laughs> Mm-hmm. just to explain it to other people uh, that's what we've decided to use yeah it's an interesting thing when you talk about explaining it to other people i want to take a break for a quick second when we come back in the second block of the cultural hall i want to talk about why you feel the need to tell other people about it there's lots of components that come in when we start sharing uh, our relationships with other folks so i want to talk about that as we come back in the second block of the cultural hall <laughs> Hey, this is Dan the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. It's our ultra-mega back-to-school blowout sale. We have hundreds of thousands of dollars of ultra-high-quality laptops and desktops on sale for up to 50% off the original prices. We've got demos, scratch and dents, trade-ins, and funny colored computers. It's crazy! Remember, you get a lifetime service guarantee on any PC Laptops brand computer. That means if you mess up your Windows or you get a virus or spyware, it's covered forever. 
Got an old yucky computer? No problem. We'll take it in on trade and we'll transfer all your pictures, music, and all your stuff to your PC Laptops computer for free. When you get your computer from PC Laptops, we'll make sure you're taken care of for a lifetime. To make it impossible to resist, we're doing 12 months special financing on any PC Laptops desktop or laptop computer. Have I lost my mind? Get into any one of our locations right now or check us out at PCLaptops.com. PC Laptops, where computers start at $7.99. PC Laptops, we love you. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, if you like this episode, you loved other episodes of the Cultural Hall, I encourage you to be a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall. You can go to patreon.com forward slash the Cultural Hall. And for a pledge as little as $3 a month, it helps us to be able to do great interviews like this one and all of the others that we've done recently. Uh, you also are able to see videos of the interviews that we do. That's posted in that secret but not sacred Facebook group for all of the Patreon saints, so make sure you check that out. It's patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. So, uh, Skylar and Amanda, you are no stranger that people have opinions about your relationship. So why tell people about it? It's a good question. Um I, so growing up, when I was coming to terms with my sexuality and my desire to stay within the church and deciding or figuring out how I could reconcile those things, um, there really, it wasn't that long ago, I'm, I'm not very, I'm 25, but even back then, there weren't very many resources for me. Um, mm-hmm. There were just a handful of, um, yeah, a handful of resources that I used and that were helpful, but nothing not to what we see today. And so because of that, I have just always had this desire to, you know, if there's a situation where a young man or woman who is gay wants to remain in the church mm-hmm. and even beyond that, maybe wants to marry someone of the opposite sex and make that work, then I want to be an advocate for that. And kind of, I guess a good example, um, cause I feel like we have a really good marriage and so that just, I just always had that desire. I don't, I don't like being in the spotlight, um, but I feel it's important for people in my situation to be vocal about it. Just like any, any other issue, um, we need people who have dealt with those issues to be vocal about it and be an advocate for people who want to do the same thing. Yeah. What do you, yeah. th- what, what about you, Amanda? I was going to just kind of add to what he said. Um, I think kind of like what we talked about earlier, it is a really hard path and like idea to reconcile when you're in the church, you have like almost two identities. It's kind of, I mean, I'm not gay. I've never experienced it, but from Skylar's experience, this is kind of like what I've gained and, and other people's experiences that I've heard. It kind of feels like you have these two conflicting identities where if you're, the church and religious beliefs are something that are held so close to one's heart. Mm-hmm. And then also sexuality 
is a big deal as yeah. well. Yeah. And it's hard to like balance these two things. So we just want to say like, it's not all black and white. It's not just either you leave the church and go that way, or you stay in the church and you remain celibate your whole life. There's kind of a middle ground where you can find real, real and lasting happiness. Like what we feel like we have, um, not to say not that to say, gay people can't be happy, of course. But. Right, right. Sure. And not to say that we would ever, ever like prescribe this for someone and be like, hey, this is what you need to do. We just want to be advocates to say, hey, this is potentially an option. You see how it feels for you. If it feels good, go for it. If not, that's okay. You don't have to follow our life path. Mm-hmm. You know, We want everybody to be able to make the choices that feel best for them. So whether that's staying in the church not getting married, staying in church, getting married, leaving the church. We want people to be able to choose for themselves. But we know for someone who's LDS, the idea of leaving the church is really hard. Like I said, there's those two conflicting beliefs. So right. it's kind of a real, it's a really hard path. I, I don't pretend to understand it. I just know what Skylar's told me about it. It's interesting, Skylar, you mentioned that um, there there aren't necessarily a lot of examples or um, resources for people in your similar situation. Probably most famously within the church are two individuals, Josh and Lolly Weed, who he's gay. She's not. They were married. They were saying, hey, we're making a go of it. You know, they, they were very open, similar in in some ways, similar to you guys saying, you know, we want to show that this pathway is possible and. And, and they became sort of popular via a blog and sharing that. And ultimately, uh, Josh ended up leaving the church and they ended up getting divorced. And it was sort of publicly, I, I don't want to put labels on it, but it was not amicable, certainly, uh, on a public uh, level. Yeah. So, so knowing that and seeing that that's the fate of some who others have looked to, how do you shore up that you're not going to just, you know, that, that, that that's not your fate? Yeah, that's something that we ponder quite frequently, and it's it might sound a little conceited to say we're the exception, <laughs> but I mean we're we're always obviously working on our marriage. We we have struggles in our marriage. Um, ironically, me being gay isn't the biggest struggle. It's just normal communication, marriage things that everyone deals with. It's hardly a struggle. Like we don't really have a ton of issues with it. Very rarely, yeah. I'd say. And we feel that we have a really unique relationship um, where we are so open with each other. Um, We spend almost every waking minute with each other. We work together in the same office. Um, We, yeah, we used to work together as we did wedding photography and videography and we were a, a couple and we did it together. So we, we spend a lot of time with each other and we like it. We don't really like being apart. <laughs> we're kind of, that annoying couple uh, who is a little bit too affectionate in public and people probably think we're gross, but we don't care. Um, so yeah, anyway, it's, it's might sound a little conceited to say, well, we're the exception, but we genuinely feel that we have something that is very unique and real. And we just don't see a, a situation where we get divorced. But I will say when I was, when we were dating and he had first come out to me, I wasn't this sure of, of it, of 
Tell what? tell me about what that was like. How how what the scenario was? Because I imagine Skylar, for you, just being able to tell Amanda, you know, someone who you cared for, and and being able to have that 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 would be hard. But then uh, Amanda, for you to receive it and go, okay, and then how do you embrace <laughs> it? Right. Well, he told me in a letter, he left it on my doorstep and texted me and told me that it was there. So I read it. um, And my first instinct was to call my mom, of course. Mm -hmm. I called my mom and we kind of just talked it over. I think I was pretty emotional and just kind of confused. What did your mom say? My mom was kind of the mindset, like she had heard the story of like Ty Mansfield and his wife. Mm -hmm. So she was like, well, it's not necessarily a deal breaker if he's willing to like work on the relationship and if you guys have a really good solid relationship and you work hard at it, like you can make it work. She's like, I'm not saying that that's right. There's a lot of questions you probably have and you have to ask a lot of questions, but don't think it's over yet is basically kind of, she was just like, just hold on, just wait and figure it out. It's not, a, like I said, not a deal breaker. So. Uh, kudos to your mom. I think that some, you know, some people would have been, you know, just said, hey, that's not going to work or what are you kidding me? Or, you know, just to be level headed, not that she should have said one way or another, depending on how you feel about your your relationship at all. But just for her to be like, I'm a soundboard. Let's talk about these things. What do you think? And being able to process it. That's that's a huge thing for for family members, for anyone engaged in any type of relationship. Oh, yeah. And if I could just input really quick, I, with, with the situation of me telling her, I wanted, um, I wanted her to feel comfortable either way. I didn't want her to feel pressure because I've opened up about this, mm-hmm. you know, very vulnerable thing to her. I didn't want her to feel like she was trapped in it. And I also didn't want her to feel like this is over. Like I wanted to find a middle ground for her to ask a lot of questions, which she did and which I was happy to answer any of them that I knew the answers to. And so I just wanted, I just want to emphasize, I, I wanted to create that environment for her so that she could come to a, like a sense of peace about it one way or yeah. the other. And I think my, if I had to like sum up how I felt about our relationship after he told me was, I wasn't ready to end it. Mm-hmm. I knew that. I was like, okay, I'm not ready to end it because I know how much I care about you. I know how good we are together. We have a lot of fun. And we, we weren't at a point where we were like saying, I love you or anything yet. We were still just kind of like having fun, mm-hmm. I was like, but I know that we get along really well. And then, but I'm not ready to say, yes, I want to marry you. So I was kind of in this like in between place where I was like, okay, I don't feel ready to call it quits, but I don't feel ready to say like, yes, I had so many questions, so many questions. She did. That was and okay. <laughs> He was so good. He answered them all. And I told him that that's how I felt. I told him, I think I told him to like, I, I was just, I don't know, really overwhelmed, I guess. <laughs> but the, I remember the two things that I told him was, I know that like any woman would be lucky to be with you because you're so kind and great and awesome and all that stuff. Um, but I'm not ready to say yes to a marriage with you, but I'm not ready to call it quits either. So let's just kind of keep going and figure things out and we'll ask lots of questions. <laughs> Was, was there a thought before he told you that you're like, I don't know, this guy, something, you know, maybe there's something a little different or did it come completely as a shock to you? Well, okay. So I would say 
I was really good at picking up his emotions and like his feelings. And so if he was having an off day, I could definitely tell. Um, She's very good at that. And so I knew, well, I first equated it to him not wanting to like be with me Hmm. and him like being kind of wishy-washy about it, Mm -hmm. Um, which he was, but in a different kind of way. It wasn't like he was wishy-washy about me. It's just a relationship in general was really hard and overwhelming for him. Mm -hmm. But I never like suspected, oh, like he could be gay. Like, I don't feel like, I didn't feel like he was super feminine. I didn't feel like the, there were like no indications really. Yeah. Some of those, some of those stereotypical things that we sort of assign with homosexuality. There was nothing that was glaring to you that you're like, Um, oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you were saying looking back. I was going to say looking back, maybe I could have like, I can see different moments where I'm like, oh, this is when he was dealing with this and this and this. But at the time, I didn't know. I knew. So the day that he told me what was like, he came out to me, he told me that there was something he needed to tell me. That's and very ambiguous. Because very... we didn't have time. We didn't have time to go over it in the moment mm-hmm. when I was talking to him. We had to go to a family barbecue. We were already late. And so we didn't have time to go over all of the details and he didn't want to ruin the family barbecue. So he's like, when we get back, I have something to tell you. Now we ended up getting back a lot later than we thought. It was, it was actually a year ago, almost. It was like the, it was the 24th of July. Yeah, so. it was the 24th of July. Not a year ago, me. three years ago. Yeah, three years <laughs> ago. Um, yeah, so um, I knew something was up and I knew there was something he was going to tell me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of different things crossed my mind. And so it wasn't just like, him being gay did cross my mind mm-hmm. just because I'm like, I was going through all the different things that it could yeah. possibly He's be. a murderer. He, you know, any, <laughs> any any type of thing. Your mind, when someone yeah. says, we need to talk, you go, my mind immediately goes, what have I done? What have I not done? What have <laughs> they done? What did they not do? Like it, it instantly just right. becomes all sorts of That's things. That's the worst phrase you can hear yeah. from someone. I felt bad saying we need to talk later, but I don't know. I didn't know what else to say. So, yeah. But being able to share that it was something that was that was certainly important, and that at least on some level you were able to be like, okay, I hear you, I love you, and then you're able to 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 go on. But being in a relationship with someone that is gay is far different than being married to someone that's gay. So what was it for you that was like, all right, we're gonna do this marriage thing, and especially when we consider, and I'm I I suppose I'm just assuming, so shame on me but that you guys got married in the temple. So not only are we getting married like for time, but we're getting married for forever. So I guess the question is, is what motivates it from, okay, this is, you know, this relationship is fun. Uh, we, we have a good time. We love this, but then moving it to, okay, this is this, you know, you guys feel about marriage. Like I do, like this is a commitment, not only for now, but forever. That's, that's pretty definite. Yeah. Well, once, um, me telling her kind of acted as a springboard for talking about marriage mm-hmm. before it would kind of been like, um, we, we had had conversations about marriage, uh, but not specifically about us. So after I told her it was conversations about like, if we got married, what would this look like? Or how would we do this or, um, whatnot. And so that naturally a- acted and kind of brought us closer to actually talking about marriage seriously. Um, because having those tough conversations naturally moves you in that direction. Yeah. 
So we, it was not too long after that, that we, it, that was July and we got engaged in November. So during those, what, six months or so. Like four, months? four months okay <laughs> math is hard no big deal <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we had the conversations and yeah eventually decided that we wanted to be serious about this and we wanted to make this work i will say i had one experience where so like i said i want to be sensitive about how i go about this mm-hmm. like i said um previously i was in a relationship i had divulged some stuff to him about my mental health about just some different issues that I was going through and that was kind of like the moment where we he ended up like breaking up with me Mm. and so but then we got to a point in our relationship where I was like telling him the same stuff and it was just such a contrast between the two experiences where after I told this one kid he decided that we needed to break up but when I told Skylar, he was like, okay, well, what can I do to help? Like, I'm here for you. It was just completely opposite. And I wouldn't say that that was the one experience that made me feel like, okay, this can actually work. But it definitely was one experience mm-hmm. where I felt that way of many experiences. Did the reaction from your family change when it was, oh, we're dating and he's gay to, hey, guys, we're getting married and we want you to be on board in support of it? Did, did people start coming out of the woodwork and that's when people started weighing in their opposing opinions? Well, it was, so it wasn't until after we were married that I opened up about it publicly. Okay. Um, so it was still like Amanda had told a, a few of her family members and increasingly I was telling more of mine. Um, so it wasn't until after I was more public about it that I had a few people um, coming out. It was mostly positive, but uh, you always have a few people who want to insert their opinion about it. So sure. I'd say mostly like our family and our friends, they knew us, they knew our relationship and they were supportive completely. Mm-hmm. There were a few people who were just concerned, just like, are you sure you're, you know what you're doing? Like, are you okay? Is everything going to be okay? But for the most part, everyone was like Skylar said, pretty positive and supportive. Yeah. Uh, I want to take another break. And when we come back in the third block, I want to share. uh, We shared your guys' article on our Facebook page. And there were some comments, both positive and negative, that I want to be able to share and just kind of get a reaction from you guys, how you deal with that kind of response. But then also you have talked about in this time that, um, you know, Skylar being gay is hasn't been. Uh, the hardest part of your relationship. There's a whole other part of your relationship we haven't even talked about, um, that being children and the experience that you've had as far as that goes. I want to make sure that we have time to get into that. So we'll come back and do all of that, plus the three questions that we ask everyone in the cultural hall in the third block coming up. This is Kurt Frankum from Leading Saints, and I'd like to take a moment to visit the back row of the culture hall to let you know of an incredible virtual conference we are putting together. Have you ever had a deep desire to make room for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints in your local ward and community, but don't know the first step? Or maybe you've served in a leadership position and you want to set a strong example of inclusion, but aren't quite sure where to start. In order to help, we are putting together the LGBT Saints Virtual Summit in order to help Latter-day Saints better minister to our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. We've selected more than 20 presenters who have professional experience, personal stories, and leadership perspectives 
who will help all of us be better prepared to minister to LGBT Latter-day Saints. This is a great conference for family, friends, and board members of LGBTQ individuals. It begins September 8th, and you can register by texting the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org LGBT. Again, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org LGBT. Here in the third block of the cultural hall, this is like the comment section of this episode, which if you've looked at comment sections on literally anything, it seems like recently, uh, there are those that you're like, yeah, okay, that person is genuinely trying to understand. And then there is the thing where people are like, oh, I'm a horrible person who wants to throw horrible shade on people just trying to do the best. So I want to have both sides of that conversation. And just talk to you guys about some of the things that I I see to be sort of constant as people hear about a mixed orientation marriage. First of all, we'll start on the positive side. Uh, A lot of people sort of have the sentiment where it's like, listen, if it works for them, good. You know, marriage is a tough enough thing. I'm now married for my second time. The first time, you know, heterosexual marriage was tough in and of itself. We ended up saying, no, forget it. And, you know, and and our sexualities weren't a part of it. For anyone to have a successful marriage, I say kudos. You know, if it works for you guys, works for them. Yeah. Someone else says, whether or not people think he should remain celibate or continue in this marriage, I think he's doing the best that he can to stay true to the faith. I'm proud of them and wish them the very best. And I think a lot of people from the faith perspective uh, sort of share that sentiment. You know what? He feels guided that way. Certainly they, they sort of lend you that um, thought that you've probably prayed about this and you know sought out the guidance of the Spirit as far as going that goes. Uh, I obviously have gone easy on you guys with the first couple of comments, but now I'll, <laughs> I'll start to get into some of the other ones. Um, someone says, wish them well. And pray that they have insurance to cover all of the therapy sessions later. <laughs> you know, that's, that's fair. Which, do, which does raise the question. You guys have talked a lot about and I feel like have really grounded yourself in a, in a, in a healthy sense and need of communication. Do you guys visit with a counselor or what guides you in order to be able to communicate about all these things so well? Yeah, um, even even before I had told her, we we both kind of had the the belief that seeing a marriage counselor before being married and even while while being married is just a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after I told her, um, <clears throat> we we mentioned Ty Mansfield earlier. Um, he was actually my therapist for a while um, and helped me get rid of a lot of shame that I had developed and. Um, after I had been seeing him for a while, we went to him together a few times. Um, and that was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Just talking about the different cycles that we we um, interact with each other and we kind of feed off of each other's emotions. And honestly, it again, it, it didn't have a lot to do with my sexuality. It, it had more to do with communication mm-hmm. um but we have yeah we have sought counselor together we have amanda has her own um i haven't seen ty mansfield in a while um i thought about going back just to i don't know check in and make sure things are good but um i'm currently not and i'm not right now either i um deal with mental health issues so mine was kind of separate mm-hmm. from all of this so <laughs> 
Yeah, let me throw no shade on people that go to counselors. I love them. I have one. He is yeah. great. I know I know that there's still oddly enough there's still some stigma about going to see a counselor. I don't understand it. Um but I wish that it would go away. Let me read this comment to you. Uh this this person says you shouldn't have to push a square peg into a round hole to make it work. Even if they do manage to stay together, I'm willing to bet that they will be both unhappy and unfulfilled. Yeah, we we've, we've gotten quite a quite a bit of that. Um and it's I mean, I, I tweeted recently, I think it's kind of ironic that me as a gay man has to defend my marriage once again. It, it kind of has some, like, from the past, it just kind of is similar, you know? We, gay men have had to defend their, their marriage, and I feel like I'm having to do it again, which is really interesting, but in a different context. I, I also, one of my recent tweets went into this a little bit more. Um, I don't blame anyone for not understanding, you know, why we made this decision, especially if you're not religious, if mm -hmm. you haven't had that spiritual experience in your life, I don't blame you at all. But we do just ask that people respect us and they respect our decision. We we're both consenting adults. We made this decision together and it's just interesting and kind of silly that I have to, that I have to defend that and that we, we both have to defend our love. Amanda, let me ask you, because I'm sure that people sort of pull you aside or go, you know, don't you don't you want to be desired as a heterosexual man would desire you? I'm sure that that conversation has occurred. I haven't asked you about that before. I'm saying it right now, but I am sure that that has occurred. How do you how do you both feel when people say that to you? And then how do you respond to that? I don't know if I've had someone ask me that in person. Mm -hmm. I've definitely had people say things on you know, social media about it. Sure. The wonderful place that is Twitter. <laughs> yeah, Twitter mostly. <laughs> um, but the thing is, like, I don't feel like Skylar doesn't desire me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, I know that he does. And we have a very healthy relationship, both physically, intimately, you know, in every sense of the word. And so I don't feel like I'm unfulfilled. I don't feel like I'm not wanted or loved because Skylar's so good at giving love. And, you know, I, I just really, I don't feel that way. People might automatically assume that I feel that way, but I really, I don't. And that was kind of a piece of our marriage in the beginning is that I naturally am not very affectionate and like vocally. Um, and so she had to have a lot of conversations with me about how important it is for her for me to, to vocally tell her, you know, how much I love her and how much I care about her. Cause I'm really bad at that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I've had to work on that. And uh, that's just an example of something that's not really related to my sexuality. That's an issue. That was an issue in our marriage. And I mean, con continues to be at, at times, but sure. has grown a lot better. Yeah. But I mean, to that point, I don't think that there's a, a, a wife or a husband that wouldn't say, yeah, I wouldn't love my partner to tell me that they, loved me or desired me more like everybody that that seems to be sort of right. a universal thing you know we 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 do an okay job about it but we could certainly do better regardless of the types of, of relationships we have more to the comments you guys i and i appreciate you guys willing to do this we didn't talk yeah. about before we recorded this episode that i would do this um so i appreciate <laughs> you guys just being willing to roll with it but by uh observing how you guys kind of interact in tw on twitter i know that i am 
I am fairly light compared to some of the other <laughs> stuff that you guys have received. Quite a lot of practice for sure. And we, we have asked every question ourselves, so we don't mind questions. Uh, someone says, uh, I'm guessing that he's actually bisexual. If not, then things will most likely eventually crumble. Denying your own existence eventually leads to bitterness, anger, and despair. I've also had that. A lot of people d just telling me that I'm denying who I am or denying my reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel that way at all. Um, I'm open about my sexuality. Obviously, I'm not lying about that. I'm, I'm gay. And um, the bisexual component, I can see how someone could jump to that, mm -hmm. uh, especially when since we were talking about like demisexual and how there's a little bit of overlap. And um, but that's not how I that's not my reality. You know, I am sexually attracted to men. Um, and it's I'm not sexually attracted to women. With Amanda, it's become something that I can't really explain, but that just works because of how much I love her and how open we are. Um, it, we have a very normal, not to get too personal, but a normal sex life and mm -hmm. we're very fulfilled. So I can understand that, I guess that criticism, but it's just not true. Well, people want to put a label on it. That's what I think is so interesting, right? It's like yeah. if he's homosexual, then he only likes men. He could only be sexually attracted to men. And then you're saying, well, but I am, you know, attracted to my wife in this way. And then they go, does not compute, must be something <laughs> else. I'm you know, not sure. <laughs> Mind blown. Yes. I, I'm a little bit, I don't know what to call it. I, I enjoy it maybe a little bit too much. The fact that my identity fits a certain, what you would typically see a, a certain political alignment mm -hmm. um, of my my political and I'm, I'm more conservative and sure. so people who uh, feel like because i'm gay i need to fit a certain political mold um that really bothers them and i kind of like that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but more than that i truly believe um obviously my worldview and politics it's important to me sure. um but yeah that, that does give me a little bit of enjoyment skylar skylar is both a little bit country and also a little bit rock and roll uh, uh, someone says they need to divorce and go their separate ways. This isn't fair for either of them. It's not going to last. Don't waste any more of your or your spouse's time. Divorce now. Do it amicably. You can remain friends, but for the love of God, split now so you can both live fully, okay? They pull no punches there. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, again, that's, I mean... I, I want to give people the, the benefit of the doubt and say um, that they're, they have our best interests in mind. Um, but that's not helpful, especially with how vocal we are about how happy we are you know, as a couple. That's just not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, we talked about therapy and therapists. Uh, I happened to be conversing with mine earlier this morning, and I appreciate his opinion. I said, hey, if you were to be able to, to speak with uh, a people in uh, in a mixed orientation relationship, what would you talk to them about or what would you ask them about? And he brought up, and this is a great way to segue into the next part, is he said, kids, I would ask them to be very careful as they think about bringing kids into their relationship. So as you guys have tried, and we'll get into that, you, Skylar, mentioned that you wanted to have a family, and obviously that to me, that to you means that kids are a part of that. It's one thing to have the relationship be the the two of you, the way that it's mixed orientation, but bringing kids into that is is a different thing. 
So I'd I'd ask each of you to sort of talk about what you've thought about that, and 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 then let's take the remainder of the time to talk about the the misfortunate uh, events of, of having children. Yeah, I, I I kind of appreciate that that mindset of being very. Um, I think everyone should be very serious about bringing uh, children into the world. I think that should be a very serious conversation, one that you know the ramifications of and the importance of your relationship with your spouse and how that will affect your future children. That's something that we talk about constantly. We, we both are very baby hungry. Um, <laughs> both want a good amount of children. We've talked about four or five or somewhere around there, <laughs> just because we've grown or grown up around children. I have, like I said, a lot of siblings. So now we have a lot of nieces and nephews and we just, we just love um, being around children and want, want some for our own. So that, that is a conversation that we've had many, many times and mm-hmm. we are very serious about it. Yeah, we're very serious as well about our relationship and, and we're, I, I sound like a broken record, honestly, but <laughs> our relationship is so good that I, I'm not even worried about it. I'm not, I'm not worried about the future. I'm not worried about what could happen because I know, I feel like, I mean, I feel like I know what's going to happen. We're just going to stay together and we're going to be happy mm-hmm. and sure. We'll have hard times. We have already had our fair share of hard times and a little teaser, <laughs> <laughs> a little teaser to the, what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, and I feel like children, I don't know. I just feel like we have such a good relationship and we work so well together that having children together is, is going to be, you know, just a little more of the same with just, being more tired and more stressed and <laughs> a little bit higher stakes, <laughs> but we really do work so well together. And so I'm not like super worried about being parents together or bringing children into our marriage. So you guys have embarked down that road a little bit. Let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. So, um, we got pregnant, man, I'm already going to start crying. <laughs> Want you to take over? <laughs> um, so we, we got pregnant when was it? Let's see. Last beginning of last year, we got pregnant around March. Like we said, we've always wanted children. So we were very excited. Um, our uh, Amanda, I guess we'll try to be as brief as we can, but there's a lot of pieces to it. Amanda started um, leaking um, a lot more than we thought was good, um, mm-hmm. obviously. So we, we took her to the emergency room. She was about 24 weeks we didn't know. We thought she was more like 23 weeks at that time. 23 and a half. 23 and a half. But that was updated, which was good. Um, but she, it turns out she was leaking amniotic fluid. Um, her bag had slightly ruptured. Mm. And our little Milo's foot had actually passed. It was, like, she, she, it was past her cervix. So mm-hmm. he was slipping out and act, it was acting kind of as a plug to hold the bag together. Um, but it was obvious that he was going to be born prematurely. So um, at 23, it's it's kind of a gray area, but around 23 is viability. That's when we have the resources to take care of a, a premature, premature baby. There have been earlier cases, but that's sure. general. So he was about 24, 24 and a half. Um, he was born at about 24 and a half weeks. Um, he weighed one pound, eight ounces. Mm-hmm. and um was 12 inches long he was the cutest baby on this <laughs> entire planet, planet. Yeah. we um yeah he he 
had a, a NICU stay. Um, he lived for about 24 days. And then unfortunately he developed um, E. coli and that, um, you, you explain that part more. <laughs> so he developed E. coli, um, which led to sepsis. We didn't know at the time, but they did an autopsy. So that's how we know he developed E. coli. Mm. And that led to sepsis and he um, died of a heart block, mm. which is basically where the heart just stops, like the electrical current in the heart stops working and there's like nothing they can do to get the heart started again. And so the doctors think that his body was just so overpowered by sepsis that um, he just was working too hard to stay alive. And so his heart just gave out. It was a very hard evening. We were, they, they called us um, that evening and just told us that he didn't look very good. Um, and by the time we got there um, and while we were there for a couple hours, it, it progressed really, really, really quickly. rapidly. Yeah. Um, so we were able to be there when he passed and he was able to pass away in Amanda's arms, uh, which was mm. really special, but it was a definitely probably, the, probably worst, the worst day of my life. Hardest day of our lives. <laughs> yeah. That is, uh, man, I, I don't know that I would be able to even speak words to the story so that you guys would share that is, um, that's pretty amazing. And, and like you said, um, pretty terrible too, right? Um, how has that experience brought you guys together closer as a couple? Honestly, by necessity, (laughs) we, um, I, I think you can either go one of, one of two ways you can either pull apart as a couple and deal with it on your own and, um, you know, make a riff in your relationship. Just, just naturally our, 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 um, personalities, um, it drew us closer together and still have hard nights where we miss him. Um, but it's just brought us closer together, just increased our love for each other and just by necessity. Yeah. Does it, does it make it hard to think about doing it again? It does. Um, there are a lot of fears, especially with, with, um, um, the, the reason he was born prematurely as we learned, um, Amanda, most likely we, we believe this is the case. She has an incompetent, incompetent cervix is what it's called. Basically the cervix is just not strong enough to hold the baby in there. Hmm. So for future pregnancies, there are things that they can do. Um, they can put in a cerclage, which is just a stitch of the cervix to help strengthen it. Um, there are other medications that can help. Um, so we're, we're hopeful about the, the future, but there's obviously some amount of um, PTSD, if you want to call it that, of yeah. our past pregnancy and fears for um, something similar to happen or just the real, just realizing that because we've experienced loss, that doesn't disqualify us from experiencing it again, which is a, a scary thought, but, um, we are hopeful <clears throat> just, just also have some fear. <laughs> yeah. Grief, like Skylar said, grief does something to you. Sorry. I'm so emotional today. Um, grief does something to you. It really changes you and it like, takes away your sense of invincibility, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, statistics where it's like, oh, you only have a 2% chance of this happening. Well, we've been in that 2%, that small percentage. And so we know that we're not invincible. We're not immune to the hardships of life. 
and we lost a baby. And so moving forward, it's like, who am I to say that I'm not going to lose another child because I'm not invincible, you know? So mm. it changes you. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's hard to know, you know, why uh, within the, this life we're given the, the different things. Right. I guess that's a, a great way to summarize everything. Right. It's hard to know why life is the way that it is. Uh, but but I appreciate your guys's story and being able to share, you know, both the very public uh, side of, of what's going on with you guys, but also some of these tender and private things um, that you've shared here at this point. Uh, there are, as we wrap this out, three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. So I'll ask those of you right now. Uh, the first question is, and this will go just to both of you guys, uh, do you have a calling right now? And if so, what is it? So we don't. Um, actually, with the experience with Milo, before that, we were primary, primary teachers. teachers. Um, oh, my gosh. How hard would that be? And afterwards, uh, got to yeah, take so got to take a break. Yeah, we yeah, we kindly asked to be released um, after that. And then it just kind of. Now COVID is happening, and so we, we don't have callings right now. Okay. Uh, if you could pick callings for yourself, either as a couple or individual, uh, you can make them up or they can be actual callings that exist. What would you pick? You know, I was listening just before this to the episode you did with Hank Smith, just mm -hmm. to, I hadn't listened to it before, so I just wanted to do that. And so I got to that point and I've, I've been thinking of it and I don't have a very good answer, but my, my only answer is, because it's something I enjoy doing, I would say ward either photographer or videographer or Ooh. something of that nature, just so I'm doing something that I like. <laughs> cool. Cool. What about you, Amanda? Mine's not like as creative. I would love to be in young women's. I think that sounds like really fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last question then, as you know, it's coming your way uh, and interpret it however you will. But the question for each of you individually is, what is your favorite part of your faith? Okay. I actually didn't get that far in the episode. So oh, come on, Skylar. It's the last question. I, I was, <laughs> I had to get on the podcast. So I can finish it. Um, my favorite part of my faith. I, I just think the, like with how chaotic things are right now, especially, I mean, with us right now, <laughs> a little bit controversial and it's, it's kind of exhausting being in the limelight for a minute. Mm -hmm. um, and just having so much, so many people um, criticizing your marriage. Um, so I think just the peace that the gospel brings and the the bigger perspective about life um, and, you know, the things that are truly important. Um, I think that's probably my, my favorite part of being faithful is you have that, that peace of mind, knowing that these little experiences, these, the, the Twitter mob, mean absolutely nothing and it's just kind of um, white noise in the grand scheme of things hmm. i would say sorry i'm gonna get all emotional good my favorite part is knowing that we're an eternal family and we'll be able to see milo again and knowing that he isn't gone he's with us still every day and that we can you know feel him with us yeah. so that's my favorite part <laughs> yeah for sure well, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. All 
on the back 